0: Good evening. Tonight is Monday, May 10th, and we are studying We agnostics from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Tonight's speaker is Nancy P. Nancy, thank you so much.
1: Oh, my pleasure. I'm so glad that um, that you uh, that uh, Kara asked me to read to uh, um, speak. So my name is Nancy P. I am a compulsive overreader and I have been a member of OA from nineteen seventy one. Till today, I just passed my 50th anniversary, if you can believe that. I can't believe it, I'm 61. Um, I should have gotten it out to show you to prove this. I still have the young people's format that they wrote for the children of compulsive overreaders. because when Bernice S. moved from LA to the East Coast, she put an ad in the uh, Framingham Middlesex News, excuse me, and my mother answered that ad. So there was no way west of, I think, Arizona, possibly Nevada back in 1966. And I remember when, you know, there was no church, nothing. There was nothing. And my mother used to schlep me to Bernice's house, you know, to talk about this new thing that she was into. I was only six and I couldn't believe, I remember she said, oh, you know, so-and-so from this other town near us and then another, like suddenly there were four or five people and suddenly there were all these other meetings like in a a very few months. And um, in 1971, my siblings and myself, you know, we all sort of were brought along and I was the youngest of the three of my three, you know, the three of us. And um, I tell you that it's hard for like an 11 year old to say, or it was for me back then. Yeah. I'm a compulsive overeater. My life is unmanageable. Like I didn't see it that way. I just knew that I was fat and I hated it. I wasn't, I wasn't like grossly obese, but I was small-ish, but should have been small-ish, but I wasn't excessively small. I was, you know, couldn't run very fast and, you know, I just always wanted to eat. So anyways, I don't need to go into, we all know about how that goes when we're young. And um, I can tell you that I've, in all those years, I certainly have had periods of time where my body was the right size, but not long periods of time. I, I, um, I had, um, you know, I would lose some weight. And as soon as, I, as soon as I lost weight, I'd be on my way back up again. I didn't, in the Boston area, there's a lot of abstinence here, a lot of abstinence. And they, you know, the meetings go like this Hi, my name is Nancy P. I just want to claim my seat. I love being absent because absence is awesome and absence is great. And I'm absent. I just love it because it's so fabulous being absent and I'm absent and I'm so happy that I'm absent. Thank you. You know, and everybody would clap. And um, there was, I did not hear it. I mean, it must've been there, but I did not hear a lot of um, talk about the steps, even in step meetings, you know, they would relate it It all, all roads led back to abstinence. And I hated that. And I was partly because I was jealous, because I could never put the food down. I was always picking and licking, you know, and or binging and, you know, eating and that sort of thing. So I never you know, and even my mother who had rock solid, I mean, she was a rock star back in the day. I mean, she traveled all over the Northeast. She was the, the whole literature coordinator. I mean, she was like OA central. And um, she used to say, if abstinence is all you have, then you don't have much. And I think to myself, easy for you to say, you have it, <laughs> you know? And I can say that if If that was all that I was, I'm recovered from compulsive overeating today. And if abstinence was the only gift that I got from Overeaters Anonymous, I would have hugged it close and run like a thief. But it is the least significant thing that I have gotten out of this because all that abstinence lets me do is take the game board out of the closet and set it up. I don't even get to sit down to play the game. I don't even get to sit down. It only lets me in the club. And that's the only sort of like, there's no secret password. There's no special, you know, address that you have to have or money that you have to make or any of that stuff, except you have to put the food down to enjoy the benefits. You can certainly come and eat as much as you, you know, like, I don't want to encourage that, but I mean, it's not a requirement that you not be eating to be an over anonymous, only that you desire to stop. And I surely desired it. But you know what I was really willing to do? I was really willing to eat and be thin. That's what I wanted. And that didn't work ever, even a little. But unfortunately, I ran into this problem of God. And that was a huge obstacle for me. And it continues to be. I wouldn't say it's no longer an obstacle, but it was It was a problem. And, um, you know, I'll just jump right into we agnostics because I identify as seriously agnostic. I mean, and I'm happily, joyfully, serenely agnostic, I would say for anybody that's wondering if it can be done. And um, I'll read you something here on the first page of We Agnostics. It says, but it isn't so difficult. About half our original fellowship were of exactly that type. I found that very reassuring. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. That was like me acting like a three-year-old Closing my eyes in the middle of the room, saying, Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Like, and all the adults would say, I don't know, where is she? You know, like when my kids were little, they would do things like that. But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. And, you know, so I'm approaching this, this precipice and I was screwed. Perhaps it's going to be that way with you, but cheer up. This is very reassuring. Something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. And here's the, here's the sentence, our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. So in that paragraph, I think that's what surrender means to me. And I don't have to be disconcerted because it doesn't say here, you can't be agnostic. It just says, you don't have to worry if you are. So I like that. And then it goes on a little bit in the next page to say, um, the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources as marshaled by the will were not sufficient, they failed utterly. And I will say, if anyone wants to write this down, because all my sponsees do, there are five words that Nancy P thinks are critical in this book, and they are as follows. Absolute, complete, entire, utter, and nothing. And the reason I think those words are important is because there's no wiggle room. What part of absolute don't you understand? What part of complete don't you understand? I mean, it doesn't say completely it failed utterly or failed completely, except for that one thing over there, or absolutely, except for those two things over there. I mean, there's no wiggle room. You know, Those five words speak to me. Um, so it says, lack of power, that was our dilemma, not lack of knowledge. We had to find a power by which we could live, but it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. I can tell you that obviously, it was never obvious to me. Nothing is ever obvious to Nancy P, ever, especially when they talk about it in this book. <laughs> Um, but where and how are we to find this power? Every time I read that s- sentence, that this, this chapter with one of my sponsees, I'm on the edge of my seat again, because I want to make sure that, I'm, that I've really got it. Um, so I'm going to jump ahead. I have two more pages that I want to talk about. My favorite page in the entire book is page 47, but I feel that there's very interesting, um, supportive um, documentation on page 28. So the first paragraph of page 47 says, when therefore we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. This applies too to other spiritual expressions, which you find in this book. Huge sigh of relief from Nancy P. Because I don't like the word God. And all the other stuff made me my skin crawl. So it says, don't let your prejudice deter you from asking yourself what they mean to you. And I got this book, by the way, in 1979, as a gift from my parents. I can show you my name in the fly leaf. I wasn't even married then. So it wouldn't even be a break of anonymity. And I've read this book about 9 million times, always with a smirk saying, can you imagine having to do that stuff? Like I would think this to myself while I was in a big book meeting, talking smack to everybody else about how great I was. Um, So, So I'm gonna sort of jump around on this page because it's just so amazing. So it says, if we wish to grow, we had to begin somewhere. So we used our own conception, however limited it was, or in my case, not limited. I don't find my conception limited at all, limiting at all. In fact, I find anything except my conception to be not up to snuff for me, you know? Um, So it says, Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? Well, the agnostic, like, well, maybe, I don't know. I'm not really, I don't know. I don't really want to talk about it. But then it says at the bottom here, it says, when people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believes. Well, you have to do a lot more than only believe as he believes. You have to, faith without works is dead. You have to action, action, action. You have to do things. So this brought up the question for my sponsor said to me, you have to decide what do you want God to be and what do you want God to do for you? And I said to myself, all right, for the first time in 50 years or 47 years back then, 47 and change, um, what do I want? I'm gonna throw away everything I've ever heard, thought, imagined, was taught, was near, said, anything about God and throw it away. I'm starting from blank space, blank slate. And I said, well, what can I embrace? I have to have something, I'm screwed, I'm doomed, I'm ducked and and not ducked, if you know what I mean, if I can't get this thing that they say that I need. So what can Nancy P embrace? And I thought, well, first thing, not God. Don't like that word, it doesn't make me feel connected, it doesn't make me feel anything except icky. So, okay, no God, check second, no knees. I wasn't raised that way. I don't feel comfortable. It makes me close to my carpet and it makes me sneeze. And then just, I would look under the bed and who wants that and yuck. And, you know, so I don't want that. Okay. Two things that I don't want God and knees check and check. Now, what do I want? I get to decide only me. And so I thought of it as I'm going to take out, I'm going to build a swing set And you take out the swing set out of the box and there's a million pieces. So you take two of them and you follow the directions, which were written by people who don't speak English in English. So they're confusing directions. So I said, well, I can embrace trust, you know? And that felt good. You know, my two pieces of my swing set are put together. They seem sturdy and I can embrace generosity Another piece, good, strong, patience, dependability, integrity, steadfastness, compassion. And then I jumped on my swing set and it held my weight. And, you know, friendliness, kindliness, love. I'm jumping on my swing set. It seems to be holding me up pretty good. And then, like any direct marketer, I reserve the right to change or amend my list anytime I want in case I hear something that is attractive to me. And by the way, I would say that, you know, my conception works for me really well. And, but I'm always reaching, but I'm not like throwing my back out to reach. Like, I believe that this works for me, so I don't need to fix it. However, if something like totally came across my path, that was obviously, even for me, um, more attractive and seemed more useful, I would embrace it as long as it didn't make me nervous and upset. And um, so, so I had my, so, you know, there's my definition, thus was my cornerstone set in place and no later vicissitude has shaken it ever, ever. So good, so now I get my first question, what do I want God to be, right? This thing that's really not whatever it is, it's whatever, it's nothing. And I fixed it, I made it up out of my own mind, I made it up out of whole cloth myself only for me. And the next question was actually a different question, what do I want God to do for me? And I was like, I was exhausted from like deciding what God was, right? Cuz I didn't want to do it over several days. I wanted to I was in my car and I was driving and when I thought about that. So I was kind of tired from from like bending my brain and thinking about what I wanted all these things to do and be and everything. And so I couldn't and I thought, oh, this other question, like, and then it came to me. What do I want it to do for me? Make me into those things. And it wasn't that I wasn't kind and generous and, and steadfast and dependable and all the rest of it. I was, I am, but I wasn't consistently so nor enough to enough of a degree to feel as though I was serene and helpful to other people in the way that it described in this book is what our goal should be. So so then I had it, right? This was my cornerstone set in place. And a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. So when you think about a structure, if you drive by a house being built, it's all two by fours. That's the frame. That's the structure. Like the rest of it is all the other steps. Like, you know, the shingles and the drywall and the insulation, the hardwood floors, fixtures, rugs, you know, tile, all that stuff. That's the rest of it. But I got my thing, I got what I need and I have not ever felt as though, I mean, there are certainly other people that, whose recovery I respect deeply, who have way better recovery than me, but I don't care because guess what? I haven't hurt myself with food since December 1st of 2017, nor have I thought about food ever, ever, ever. I have never, ever thought about food in terms of I think about it a little because I buy it all and make it all for my family, but, you know, but I don't sneak, hide, steal or lie or, or anything like that. I, I have probably 150 pounds of chocolate in my house because I bake. I buy my chocolate from a wholesaler. I might as well be buying dishwashing detergent. Um, and um, as I was saying on page 28, this is good news for anybody else who might be agnostic. It says, a new life has been given us or if you prefer a design for living that really works. And then a few lines down it says, um, in varieties of religious experience indicates a multitude of ways in which men have discovered God. But I take that out and I say, there's a multitude in ways of ways in which men have discovered a design for living that really works. And below that, it says, we have no desire to convince anyone. There is only one way by which faith can be acquired. And the operative word there words, there are faith can be acquired. It doesn't say where it doesn't say like this book I don't really, you know, the one thing that I would say against this book or sort of the one, it's not even an issue that I have, it's just one thing that as an agnostic who's continued to be, who is still an agnostic um, that I can, uh, whatever, I don't want to say that it's negative, is that um, they don't spend enough time saying that. They smash it home all the time about God, 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 but there are plenty, I get a lot of calls from people that are agnostic, a lot of calls, let me tell you, And um, I get referrals from sponsors to have their sponsees call me because I'm, like I said, happily, joyfully, serenely agnostic, and it works just fine. It works just fine for me. And um, there's one other thing. So this faith can be acquired. Just one last thing about that is, I mean, I always, the joke is if I I have the right um, search terms, I could probably get it on Amazon. Like I have no problem No problem. I, you know, I've been, the problem doesn't exist for me anymore. It has been removed. I'm safe and protected. I go where free men go. Like I said, I cook, I bake, I entertain, I go to parties, I travel. I've been to Paris and Rome and not had to hurt myself with food. My family wants to go to a patisserie or a crepery have at it, baby. I'll sit out here and save the table or I'll go in and say how pretty, because they are pretty. And then in, on that same page, I have a note here to myself, like I'm not into any of these other terms like spirit of the universe or creator or God or anything like that. I don't really care for those terms. They don't speak to me. And I have a note here that I wrote to myself that says, Religious, religion is a convenient path, but it's not the only path. And the operative word there is path, not convenient. Certainly religion has given comfort to millions. I agree, just not to me. And so I had to get a path, right? This book says we have to get to a place. So what am I gonna do? You know, religion, all religions say, no religion says kill, murder, rape, and steal. They, not, they, they never say that. They all say, love everybody, be kind, and do all this other stuff. But essentially their, their marketing plan is, you should be in our religion because our religion will help you navigate the road of life because the road of life can be broken pavement, have scary turnoffs into bad neighborhoods, and we'll help you get to where you wanna go if you join our religion. Well, that didn't work for me. So I had to get a new path. And if, if the object of the game is to get to New York, I live in Boston, right on 95, right off of, right next to it, you know, sort of very close, 95. I could be there in four hours, drive a straight shot, four hours, maybe with traffic, four and a half, something like that. Or I could go to Maine and be there in eight hours, or I could fly to LA and be there, you know, the next day or something. This book doesn't say how I have to get there. So I took a machete, a spiritual machete, and I bushwhacked my way into a path that worked for me. And I gotta say that it worked better than a charm because those with no religious affiliation, it says, There is no friction. Those having religious affiliations will find here nothing disturbing to their beliefs or ceremonies. There is no friction among us over such matters. And my note that I wrote to myself or in one minute, please. Okay, one minute, I'll be done. Those with no religious affiliations will also not find anything disturbing. And once I studied the steps, I found that to be true. And so, you know, It says here, it was comforting to learn, and I will wrap up. It was comforting to learn that we could commence on a simpler level and commence means to begin. So I began as I meant to go on. And I like my simpler level. I consider it like shaker furniture is considered beautiful in its simplicity. It's not Victorian with all the gingerbread. I'm like a shaker, right? I get this simple thing. It works for me. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you so much, Nancy, for that beautiful trip through We Agnostics. Lo- thank you so much. Okay. All right. So um, we are going to open the meeting for either questions for our speaker, for Nancy or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week, we agnostic step two, we do ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine, if you're on the phone and I will call the raised hands in order. We'll have three minutes for each one. Jackie M followed by Wendy S. Jackie, would you like to unmute? Hi, I'm Jackie, um, compulsive eater, body obsessor and and Nancy. Oh my God. Thank you so much. I just got so much out of your share. It's just um, because I too struggle in that department. And so I have a question for you.
1: Um, Do you pray? And like when, how do you talk to your concept of your higher power? That's an excellent question and I can answer it really simply. I have one prayer and it goes like this. I don't like this. I don't want things to be this way. And the answer is always the same. I know, but I've got your back. And what I like about the answer, like it just can't, like I'm serious, that's it. And what I like about the answer is it doesn't say, don't worry about this, whatever the thing is that you don't like, don't worry about it. I don't have to worry. I just know this is surrender, surrender, surrender. I like to think of myself as like a riverbed and the river flows over me. And sometimes it's cool and sweet and great. And other times there's methane and oil and gas and gross rust and nasty things in it. And other times there's natural debris, like you know leaves and branches and stuff that rivers need to be healthy. And sometimes there's old boots and stuff. But I know that as long as I begin, as I mean to go on, I'm consistent, then it just eventually everything changes. Everything changes. I never am going to be as happy as I sometimes am. And I'm, I'm not always going to be that happy and I'm not always going to be sad. And trust me, you know, I had to get to a place, you know, if I'm ever asked to speak on a different chapter, I'll go into some of the ugly history. But, um, you know, I have earned my spurs, you know, and, and let me just say that everybody has pain. Nobody has to say what their pain is. We all know what it means. It's all brought us to our knees you know, and it just is how much pain did I want it? Did I want, and I'm going down a rabbit hole, but um, so I don't really pray other than that one prayer, except for my gratitude is so boundless that actually every breath I take is one of gratitude. So I don't spend a lot of time like praying and meditating. You know, I thought that to be recovered, to get recovered, I was going to have to be a Bible thumping zealot, you know, with crazy eyes writhing on the floor speaking in tongues like some tent revival in Alabama. No offense to Alabamians, but, you know, or whatever, you know, um, and, or a nun or some sort of very religious guru or, or somebody that sits on a, You know, I thought that was going to be my life. And I didn't want that. So it was a relief to know, as it says, that I can get a simpler, I can pick a simpler path that works just fine. I mean, you know, people are like, you know, God, 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 God. And that that word goes in one ear and out the other. And I just listen to the other stuff that they have to say. So. Thank you
0: for that question. And thank you for the answer. Next, we have Wendy S followed by Maxine. Wendy,
2: you're up. I'm Wendy S, a Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. Hi. Um, thank you so much, Nancy. I, I love listening to your shares, um, because I, too, can relate a lot to the God word. Um, and, um, and of course, that was my initial question, too. So <laughs> um, but I have a follow up, I guess, to that question. Um, Uh, so there's a lot of talk in the book about spiritual awakening. So from your perspective, like what does that look like? Or what did that mean for you to have a spiritual awakening?
1: That's a a really good question. And it's, I I only care. I, I don't like to use the word worry or care, but if I were to be worried about anything, it would be two things. Am I surrendered and how awake am I? Because if I start to get spiritually sleepy, I'm in trouble. And so when I was eating, you know, I'm five, one and a half, 211 pounds. I could barely like walk. I mean, I know that I wasn't the fattest, but it felt like I just was, it was, I was so big and I would wake up in the morning, my alarm would go off. I wouldn't even have turned it off or opened my eyes. And I would ask myself one of four questions. I wonder if I'm going to eat today or not questions, but, you know, or I hope I don't eat today or I'm definitely not going to eat today. And most of the time I would know I'm going to eat today. And, you know, I'm with my sponsor doing the, doing the, you know, approaching the fourth step. And I thought she didn't know that I was agnostic. So I said, I've got to tell her I'm choking on my secret, choking to death. She's going to kick me out. She's going to drop me. I better tell her we live in a Victorian and our doors are solid wood. And so they're like, our doors are like walls. Like if my bedroom door is closed, you can't really hear. The rest of the family is downstairs or, or in the basement. And, and I'm whispering on the phone, like I'm confessing to reading naughty books. And I'm like, I don't think this is gonna work for me. And she said, why not? I said, because, because I'm not sure I believe in God. And she said, oh, she goes, well, don't worry about that because you haven't had a spiritual awakening yet. And what happened was, that took all the pressure off because you know, you're approaching these steps and it's all God stuff and everything. You know, and I would say also that I didn't read we agnostics and say, "Huh, here's my thing." You know, I didn't read the doctor's opinion and say, "Cue the Handel music. I'm cured. I'm saved." You know, none of it happened in real time. The only thing that I did in real time was write my fourth step and read my fifth step. Everything else was sort of jumbled up like in a blender, and you know, I kind of like really what I did was I felt a billion percent better because I wasn't eating compulsively and I was getting, I was steeping in this tea of, you know, recovery, but I wasn't quite done yet, you know? And I found that we were, we were talking on the phone after I had recovered and I don't really, you know, my sponsor kind of cut me loose pretty much when I finished as I do with mine, my sponsees. And I said, wow, I can't believe how great I, how great I feel and how much this is just unbelievable and I'll read you the sentence it's just the most amazing thing because we both said it at the same time without any planning on page 88 it works it really does and I would say that you know I realized that somehow without this is why I don't like any definitions somehow I had lived through it I hadn't picked up I hadn't I hadn't had to hurt myself with food I hadn't had to turn to that as a solution and it just came. Um, and the, the way that I got there was through surrender. I mean, you know, when I called my friend, I was in my car sobbing. And I was sobbing because I had just eaten a dozen donuts. And I was sobbing also because I had done the same thing the day before and the day before and the day before. And I was sobbing because I knew that I was going to do the same thing the next day and the next day and the next day. I was hopeless And there's a paragraph, you know, not to go about Bill's story, but, you know, no words can tell of the loneliness and despair I found in that bitter morass of self-pity. Quicksand stretched around me in all directions. I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed. Alcohol was my master. And I was just, I was sobbing. And I really think this thing, this power said, was having coffee with the others and said, just like it says in the doctor's opinion, you know, I think this one's had enough. I think I'm going to pluck her back from the gates of death because- this book is right. Like, I believe everything that it says without exception. Some people are, you know, fundamentalist religious people and they might have some sort of religious Bible or something, and they believe every word in it without exception as the truth, not as a metaphor. And I believe that about this book. And this book says that, um, you know, if you seek it, you will get it. And I didn't, I don't seek, I didn't seek God. What I sought was relief and serenity and I got both in spades. And the thing that what I, if I worry about anything, I worry about surrender. And my surrender keeps my, my wakefulness, my spiritual wakefulness, you know, plump, you know, like green and, and healthy. And um, I don't really, you know, experience is something that I gain. It's not something that I have that I have an experience. I personally, Nancy P has to do everything like so, you know, her own way. So I consider that first I had to awaken spiritually so that I could gain spiritual experience. And that's sort of all brought out by, you know, everything for me is six degrees or less separated from surrender.
0: Thank you um next we have Maxine followed by Elena and then we will stop the
3: recording Maxine you're up okay so I think that was hi I'm Maxine I'm an addict alcoholic thank you so much Nancy Amy for everyone else who did service I think that was the question of the night so far because of course that was the first thing that came to my mind is how do you what do you what do you pray what you know because I am the confused one okay I was also brought up Not getting well, the only not getting on my knees, not praying, just knowing my mother used to say, God will know what's happening like that's all she believed. They were both survivors of the war in Europe, so I can understand where their religion. My mother did not, she was Hungarian, it was a non issue in my house. We just did not celebrate holidays and we didn't do holidays, no religion, it was just nothing. I used to go to church. With my Irish Catholic girlfriend, and my mother would say, "Don't pray. You're not supposed to pray there." It was Christ the King, so I was always like, uh, you know, I kneel, I get up. I, I didn't know what I was doing at eight years old, and that's what I've been doing my whole life. I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to uh, praying and praying to God, and you know, I I, I believe there's something bigger than all of us. So I just don't know what it is, and I always feel weird praying. And um, I think my sponsor was on before, and I think she got off because this was not her thing. I I don't know, I don't know. And you know, there are people, I've heard people say, you know, what do you, do you want to be a believer? You don't want to believe? Uh, you know, I get very confused. And I don't know what I'm doing sometimes. And I go back and forth, back and forth. And I realize I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm not being very sober behavior Um, in both programs that I belong to. I just kind of feel like i have just, I don't know. I mean, I had 30 days and after the first 30 days, it was, I slipped and I I slip a little bit every day. And I know I've said it before, the first time is a gift and I keep like, I don't want to say effing up, but I keep effing up, not, you know, a lot, but just. Oh, God, I'm so confused. I'm sorry. I don't know where I belong sometimes. That's all.
0: Thank you, Maxine. Keep coming back. Elena, you're up next. Go ahead.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Elena. I'm a compulsive overeater and restrictor. Um, Nancy, thank you so much for your share. This is my first time hearing you and um, I'm literally blown away. I'm inspired by your ability to trust and the confidence that you have in your recovery. That's something that I really want is confidence in what I believe in, um, no matter what it is. Um, Personally, I don't have any problem with the God word. Um, but I did grow up with a very punishing God and I find myself that, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself to get this, to get this right. And you kept mentioning like about starting a new path and, you know, I kind of need that courage to just make that jump and start, you know, maybe I believe in this, or it's like, I have this guilt to, and I need permission to kind of start that path and, another thing that you had mentioned um, was you ask yourself, am I surrendered? Right. And how do you know, like, how do you really know if you're surrendered because, you know, am I just being hard on myself? Is this part of like this Italian Catholic guilt that I was brought up with, you know, like how am I surrendered? How do you know that you're surrendered and do you have any experience of around having guilt or pressure around getting this like prayer and meditation? Because when you said, I know I got your back and like, that's, I was like blown away. It's like, what a cool power to have. <laughs> like, that's so cool. You know, like I want something like that. That's not so much pressure and got to get this right and be the good girl. So I really want to be surrendered and I know it's not something I can force. Um, so If you can share about anything that I said, I feel like i mumbled, but
1: whatever. Sure, sure. No, I I get this a lot. Like, you know, what do you do? And to me, you know, um, the answer is always surrender. And Nancy P, I don't like to let go of things. If I try to let go, it often has claw marks. It's ripped. It's stretched. It's wrecked. It's broken. You know, no, I don't want to let go. Let go. No, no, no. I don't want to let go turn it over. Oh, so much work. You know, like I don't want to do that either. So surrender to me seems just sort of more um, proactive at being passive. And, um, and, and the, the way that I know that I've surrendered is if, my, if I have serenity, if I'm serene, you know, if I'm quiet, I got to tell you something, my son, who's um, 20, been spending a lot of time with my butthead brother who's not 20 and has not one but two harley davidson motorcycles and my son comes home one day and says i'm gonna get a motorcycle and i didn't say anything but i wanted to stab him in the eye and shoot my brother in the head and i tried to uh, manipulate it i called my brother and i said could you back off the motorcycle talk for crying out loud and he said no i'm not going to do that i drive by i ride bikes and that's that too bad so I never said anything to my son. And my son is the best kid ever in the world. They're bright and funny and fabulous. and But he does have a tendency to set a poke, picket at scabs, you know? And it was tender and he'd say, I'm getting a motorcycle, how does that make you feel? And finally, you know, the intuitive thought or feeling, it came to me and I said, I just don't want you to get hurt. He goes, I'm not gonna get hurt. And I said, well, I don't want you to end up hamburger on the street. He goes, I'm gonna be careful and I said, well, if I could just ask you to um, be sensitive to my feelings. And he looked right at me in the eye and he said, I can do that. And just like that, all the resentment was gone. And I was able to email my brother and thank him for mentoring my son and tell him that I couldn't think of a better custodian, custodian for my boy than him and how proud I was that he was my brother. So no no relationships were damaged. There was no screaming and threatening, no, you know, like, and who drove Who drove my son to his motorcycle class? Me. And we talked about it, you know, and um, I don't worry about it anymore. So, I mean, surrender, surrender, surrender. I mean, the, the key, I surrendered when I, you know, when I surrendered, when I called my friend that day in the car when I was sobbing over the donuts um, that was because my daughter who's 19 was cutting and burning herself. And I was howling with pain and rage and fear. And, um, and I was done. I mean, like, you know, what can you do? You know, what could I do? She didn't care. I mean, she did, but she was in her own hell, you know? And um, I couldn't control that. And so what was I gonna do? You know, and so I did, I surrendered that day And, um, you know, I surrendered that and I got, as soon as I did, it's not like I didn't feel a great tide at flood or anything like that with the, you know, what they say in the book. What I found was that I was able to begin. I didn't have any, like, I I totally get what you're saying about guilt and all this stuff. I totally, like, what am I going to do if I betray my family or, you know, my past and all that? It just became a non-issue. It just became a non issue. And, um, you know, I can still enjoy my family's, um, you know, ceremonial cere- celebrations. I can enjoy, you know, I can go and participate. Like it says, go and participate, right? You know, go and bring, see what you can bring. Nothing, no one's taking anything away. I am, I have everything. I contribute to everything. I don't, I'm not a thumper. I don't go and say, I don't say this to anybody at all, except in these rooms, you know? I don't really need to talk about it because why would I need to? It's like wearing, you know, can, it's like wearing a fancy fancy piece of clothing and the labels on the inside. In the 80s, they used to have, when I was a kid, they would be on the outside, you know, the labels. People had to know what you were wearing so the labels would be on the outside. Now this, like the labels on the inside. and And I don't, you know, I have a quiet confidence. And I would say that my surrender It's not one and done. Practice makes perfect. And it's the one thing that I would say that there's always room for more of. I mean, it says in the book if something bothers me, if a person, place, or thing upsets me, it is I who must change. Surrender, surrender, surrender. And, you know, I love to do it. I hate, you know, I love it when it's done. I don't, I can't say that I hate it, but. The, you know, I mean, that's another story for the tenth step, and you're more than welcome to call me at any time. I'll be happy to go over it with you. But it's, I mean, like I got to tell you, the only thing in this whole, all of these steps that was hard was surrender. The rest of the stuff that you have to do to get better was a little uncomfortable, but it wasn't hard. But the surrender, once I did it, I mean, the only thing that got me there was pain, and I and and because it was so painful, I make really sure. That I stay surrendered if I feel the least like you know I don't know not so much that I want to eat that never happens anymore but I if I feel the least like I need to control something I pick up the phone so fast it's smoking I mean you know I don't I don't assume that I'm going to be able to metabolize any of this stuff forgive the metaphor you know and it's going to be okay I know it's not going to be okay even if it seems like it's okay now, I know that something that's not okay is waiting for me right down the street. So, you know, I do this stuff all the time. I make my calls, I go to meetings, I speak, I I extend myself, I do, I sponsor, I do all that stuff. And instead of taking it does it does take a lot of time, but it makes way more time than it takes. Like I used to have a purse that was as big as my car that was filled with all the stuff that your purse has in it. And when I surrendered, it's like everything is empty except for keys, wallet, and sunglasses. And I still get this gigantic purse. Like that's what surrender does for me. So I I guard it jealously. And um, the only way I got there was through pain. I tried, I mean, I had a dumb, I'll say one last thing. I had a dumb journal that was stupid that I would say to a God that I didn't believe in, I'm so sick and tired of being sick and tired. I totally surrender to you. I absolutely am not gonna eat anymore. I totally, you know, and then I label every entry would be the number of days of abstinence I had. So it'd be one. I'm so sick and tired of being sick and tired. And then the next day, one, and then one, and then one every day. And then sometimes I get two, three, four, five, six, and then one, you know, like, it was just ridiculous. So surrender, surrender, surrender. And, you know, I could talk for an hour on that. So please give me a call offline and I'll be happy to discuss it.
0: Thank you
1: mm <clears throat>